Luke 12, verses 13 to 32, and then Trev's going to come up and preach for us. Luke 12, 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be in your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single R to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Trev's going to come up and preach for us. It'd be great if you could keep your Bibles open and look chapter 12. We're going to think about this over the next coming minutes. Before we do that, why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, your word brings comfort. Your word brings life. We pray that we may hear and be comforted. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder, did you ever imagine that you'd be using certain words on a fairly regular basis? Quarantine, self-isolation, coronavirus, COVID-19 that you'd be paranoid and checking every cough. Was it dry? Was it wet? Was it old? Was it new? Learning new habits such as elbow, not hand shaking. Washing your hands while singing happy birthday twice. Sneezing into your elbow or if you're pre-prepared, catching it, binning it, killing it. That my daughter's fifth form GCSEs would be, wait for it, 
cancelled. Didn't you used to dream that that might be the case for your exams? Something since in its discovery on the 31st of December 2019 was described as having the effects of a bad cold and was in the category of a bad flu has escalated in both proportion and attention. From being likened to a lurgy and something remote in a faraway place called Wuhan, somewhere only the experienced international travelers heard of, it's gone from something distant to something very near. There's nowhere in every major culture society and place in this world unaffected. Shutdown, isolation, unemployment, small businesses going to the wall, fearfulness for loved ones, paranoia about oneself. The world and its inhabitants have become agents of fear. Everyone is a danger, where every sneeze is a threat, every cough an alarm, every touch a risk, every embrace a potential peril. And as we've been warned by Boris, Leo, Arlene and Michelle, this hasn't even gotten going properly yet. We've seen the stats, heard the reports, experienced the increasing anxiety and it seems there's no relief, no release. What are we to do? Where are we to go? What are we to think? How are we to process all of this? How are we to behave when all that we've relied on for all of our lives has been stripped away, dislodged before our very eyes? All that's been uncertain, all that's been certain to this very point, our routines, our lives, our income stream, our daily habits and, hobby, our daily habits and hobbies, our jobs, the pattern of our days, Weeks, months, years probably has been altered beyond recognition. Well, Jesus had something to say about coronavirus. Actually, to be more precise, the absolute wrecking ball of fear that is wreaking havoc across our world and personal worlds because of coronavirus. And actually, it's very revealing. How we are approaching this entire thing reveals to us what we think about God and more than whether we think he is there or not, existing not, a fact or not. Rather, do we really believe he is involved in life, in the course of history, in the course and intricacies of our day-to-day -day moments? Is he powerful? Can he do anything about this? Can he do anything about anything? Does he even care? How we are approaching all of this reveals whether we think that God is bigger than us and our circumstances, coronavirus included. Well, in Luke chapter 12, the reading we just had a moment ago, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem and his traveling entourage is getting bigger and bigger. Interest is growing. The crowds are excited. Mixing with those traveling with Jesus are those who are opposed to him wanting to trap him, stop him, trick him, and thwart him. He's just been asked a question about a family dispute over a will and gaining the inheritance is rightfully the questioners. You'd have thought that Jesus would have agreed with him, being on his side, all for justice. Yet, as you can see from verses 14 and 15, Jesus has no time for this man's short-sighted foolishness. Verse 14, Jesus replied to the man, who appointed me as a judge and arbiter between you? Then he said to them, 
Watch out. Be in your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. This man had been living under the impression that the sum total of life was in what he owned, in what he could acquire, in what he could gain. That that was the sum total of his significance and his worth. His was a world and a life without God, without heaven, without hell. His was a physical life, he thought, without end. No thought given to death. The encounter ends by Jesus telling a story about a man who was rich and successful, living for and bathing in his success. But abruptly, God speaks and God says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Everything in that story Jesus told this man, this angry man about a, an inheritance, Everything that that man who had gained in the story that Jesus told had become someone else's inheritance, just like that. There's a great irony in that, isn't it? It's a fatal mistake to imagine that all that there is to life is all that can be owned, just physical things. To find your security in things, circumstances, routine, normality, to crave them, and when gaining them, to crave them even more. To live for them is even more foolish. It's a crushing observation, isn't it, that moments like these, in this present moment of history, reveal deeply what's going on in culture, perhaps even in ourselves. This is fear in a world where there is no God, where all that we depend upon, when stripped away, is empty and bare and there turns out to be nothing. Imagine living in that world, a world without God, where death signals the end of quite literally everything. But God speaks, and God says, there is something that even death can remove, our riches towards him, towards God. Verse 21. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. This successful man in the story Jesus told invested in all the wrong ways. He put his investment in entirely the wrong things and in the wrong bank, the wrong place. Yet the question does remain, and particularly pertinent at the moment, how then do we live in this world of fear insecurity and uncertainty. When all of the things that we did trust have become in some way, at least in our minds, the perception is they've been stripped away. What about those basic necessities like food and clothes? There was a report on BBC News of a teacher in one of the cities in Italy significantly impacted by coronavirus. And he said this, quote, the priorities become clear, food, health, family. That's it. You adapt in a moment. He's kind of summarized life, hasn't he? So does Jesus have anything to say about these things? What about daily material needs? Those daily material needs of food and clothing, a roof over our heads, things that cause us so much anxiety, which were all threatened 
in this present moment in time. Well, in these next verses in Luke chapter 12, Jesus does talk about them and their basic place for every human being. Yet surprisingly, Jesus says, don't worry about food and clothing. Verse 22, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. We need to notice what Jesus was not saying. He was not saying all worry by definition is wrong. Some kinds of worry are good and godly. Worry can prompt us to thought and action. But here Jesus isn't talking about these kinds of concerns. Instead, he was referring to worry about the basics of life. When we first read the words that we've just read, we may be tempted to say, you cannot be serious, Jesus. But who is Jesus dressing here? He's speaking to his disciples. And what is the logic of what he is saying? Well, it is that we are worth more than just food and clothing. For the man who at the start of this passage wanted his fair share of the inheritance, all of life was just about stuff. He thought that life was merely the pursuit of security and the increase of material possessions. But Jesus here makes it clear that we're much more than these physical things. This man had been blind to this reality. Notice what Jesus goes on to say in verse 24. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. And, verse 27, consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. God, in his loving kindness and mercy, will give us all that we need at all times. He will provide. That's not trite. He will provide. Just listen to how he views us. We're more valuable than the birds, more precious than the beautiful lilies, even as Jesus goes on to say that not even Solomon was dressed as beautifully as the lilies. The wisest and wealthiest of all of kings, Israel's kings can't beat God's provision for the most basic of flowers. More beautiful, more provided for. Even the ravens, considered to be dirty animals, Get God's good provision without worry, anxiety, stress. It's good news, isn't it? In these days of layoffs, closures, financial struggles, interrupted plans, our loving Heavenly Father provides for us with all that we need. But listen to how Jesus speaks of those who do worry about these things. Those for whom life is just what happens here. Verse 30. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. The pagan, whom Jesus is describing, is the one who doesn't know God. God could be distant for them, probably absent for them, and certainly unknown by them. But Jesus says that the true and the living God who is there 
knows, cares, and provides. You see, this is one way to worry, isn't it? Like the pagan. A worry where there is no answer, no one to trust, no one who is powerful to provide. So life is just like that man who wanted his inheritance. Times like these, these are strange days, aren't they? Jesus speaks with utter clarity. He says, do not worry, but seek his kingdom first. Even in the midst of our despair and fear, the true and the living God stands over all of this and says, aren't you more valuable? So what are we to make of these days when God is, to quote another part of the Bible, raising his voice? How are we to read these days? Well, I think they've certainly helped us to realize that we're not in charge, that we're not over our days, but that God is. These days are certainly sharpening our focus, but, you say, how can we trust God? What evidence is there that he is trustworthy? Well, all that you need to do is to read to the end of this story in Luke's gospel. Jesus is on his way from, well, to Jerusalem, where he knows what will happen to him. He'll be strung up on a cross, and he'll die there receiving fully, willingly, lovingly, the punishment for our sins. He dies for our sins, but that's not the end of the story. He's been raised from the grave. So if you doubt that God is powerful, look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you doubt that God doesn't keep his promises or his words aren't true, he promised resurrection. God not only provides for our needs here today, he has given us Jesus so that our need for eternity is met as Jesus has died for our sins, so our sins will be forgiven when we repent and know that we will live with him if we are in him forever. So how can't we trust him? How can't you trust him? The true and the living God loves us, provides for us, and cares for us, comforts us. And we know that his words do not ring hollow, but are true. Do not worry, Jesus says. Let's pray. We praise you, Heavenly Father, for your word. We thank you that it speaks truth, not lies, where everything changes, our circumstances, our days, our culture, our society, where everything changes, even in this present time of intense challenge, you are the constant. Your word stands forever. We can look to you and trust you and hear from you. We pray that we would. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's all we have for today. Um, look forward to hearing from you. Um, 
check our websites and the various email addresses that are on there just to keep in contact with us. If there's any way that we can help you, please do let us know. Uh, my contact details are on the various websites. Please do let us know how we can be there for you and help you in this present time. We'll see you next week. God bless.